0: Only from Rustolium.
1: So it's Wednesday, halfway through. Oh, it's. On over the humpback bridge in our week, haven't we? And we had a packed show today, Jane, didn't we?
2: Well, it was packed, packed with um, some good stuff, some interesting guests, and um, I particularly enjoyed the academic Miriam from Exeter University talking about witchcraft. Marion, I particularly enjoyed Marion, the academic from. Exeter University. Sorry, it's now five past five. It's all gone from my system. Um, I I should have got that right because Marion was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, sometimes academics can be because they're so knowledgeable and they can be a little dry, can't they? But But she wasn't. She really knew her stuff. And I just enjoyed hearing about things like the Witchfinder General existing in this country not all that long ago. And people say, "Oh, it's th- hundreds of years ago." But actually, in the great scheme of things, that isn't anything. And which witchcraft... also just one of the best
1: job titles ever, isn't yes. it? Yes. Well, it's one you what, went for. What do you do, Gerald? <laughs> well, I'm the recently appointed Witchfinder General. <laughs> what uh, do you do? Well, I'm Deputy Wizard Manufacturer.
2: <laughs> I, um, of course we wouldn't have been given the job of Witchfinder General, we'd have no. been much more likely to be accused of sorcery ourselves. And in fact, by talking into these microphones we are in fact doing something quite magical and dangerous aren't we
1: yes shall i get straight to sandra's email which is chastising me for my own sexism oh yes please (laughs) so afternoon ladies second email in as many weeks it's all right we don't mind sandra i usually agree with your comments during the podcast but last night i was shocked to hear your comments about a wife surely in the times of the 21st century this was totally uncalled for and wrong. Men do the housework you described so I felt I had to write in and tell you how surprised I was to hear this besides this still enjoying the show. So I know exactly what you mean Sandra and I would just say in our defence we were doing it slightly in jest. Uh, The joke was kind of on us. So I'm sorry if you took that seriously. is almost always on us. <laughs> it is. So you're right. Uh, I don't, Jane doesn't need a wife. I don't need a wife. I think what we were trying to just say was the partner, you know, who was there in the background doing all of the supportive to stuff. To mop up around. And yeah. putting the salmon in tinfoil and emptying the cat litter and all of that. So I'm sorry if that upset, especially if you're listening late at night, Sandra, and something enjoys you on a podcast, that's so irritating. It isn't is it? irritating, yeah. Because then you've got to wake up and put the light on and change Ooh. over to your Gmail and pop off something and whatever. Do you know what, if you just want to shout back at us, we can hear you. I, I honestly
2: shout at the radio and at podcasts all the time. I really do. Just on the subject of cat litter, how often do you change yours?
1: <laughs> no, I'm serious, because you've got three moggies now. Well, it's quite complicated. I'll try and keep this brief. Oh. Cool cat can go outside, because he's the big cat. He's 12 years well, old. Well, he does his business outside. Yeah, of course he does. He's always done his business outside. It's just Brian and Barbara who've got a cat litter tray, so they're sharing one. It's one of the absolutely huge ones. I'm changing it about every four days. Yeah, I think that's wise. Yeah, yeah But I'm really already looking forward to to the time at which they can go and frolic and do their business outside in yeah. the garden. Well, I'm still waiting uh, for
2: Big D. To get well, that's
1: astonishing because I can't, I can't believe you've got a cat who won't go outside. She doesn't like it. Well, I think you just have to leave her there for a little bit. You know, my kids didn't like broccoli, but they eat it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't, oh, It wasn't anything to do with toilet training, though, was it? <laughs> no, but maybe you just got to make Dora.
2: I can't. I've just got... I'm just too soft. Uh, like hell. Um, Susan has emailed on the subject of tax. It's quite complicated, uh, but she was catching up yesterday with us while spring cleaning the kitchen cupboards. How much fun can I handle in one day remains to be seen, she says. Susan, it's like the kind of day I have frequently, and there's nothing like a good spring clean of your kitchen cupboards, actually. There really isn't. Um, She is really just outraged by the latest tax scandal. It is a scandal, says Susan, and it underlines and puts it in bold how much it's one rule for the glitterati and another punitive rule for the rest of us. When I hear that someone has come to a deal about not paying not thousands, not tens of thousands but millions, it just makes my blood boil. What is the direct line to this understanding member of HMRC and can we all use it? I just wanted to get all that off my chest and I will now get back to chucking out my out-of-date flour, etc. It's taken me a while to settle into your new format, but I'm now happily on board. Thank you for keeping us all company. Well, it's our pleasure, Susan. Particularly, I thought, actually, on genuinely murky afternoons like this one. I couldn't have thought of a place I'd rather be than sitting in a warm room with young Fiona here and just chatting just chatting just chatting what else I would have been at home sorting out cupboards if I hadn't been here and it is about keeping people company and occasionally just sparking a bit of a debate which is what we did this afternoon in the company of our guest we'll get on to her in a moment there was another email I, oh in fact she's a good way of introducing our guest who is uh, Paulette Hamilton the MP for Birmingham Erdington she's a Labour MP first person of colour to represent a Birmingham constituency in Parliament which is quite incredible in itself Debbie says I just wanted to Say how much my daughter admired Paulette. Uh, my daughter is Amy. She worked as an intern at Birmingham City Council and spent time with Paulette when she was a councillor back in 2015. She always said how brilliant she was. She never made Amy feel like a nuisance and she really did give Amy an insight into into what she was up to. She was a genuine inspiration. Amy now lives in London. She'll be 30 this year, but she's never forgotten how warm Paulette was to her. That's great, isn't it?
1: It is. And I think that warmth and that honesty did come across in the interview with Paulette. We had so many things to ask her about uh, obviously, uh, as a Labour MP, we wanted to talk about stuff within the party, also levelling up, also with her nursing career. She was a nurse before she became a politician. She had plenty to say about that. It's all coming up. And the place that we started with was in her childhood because she was the victim of that low expectation thing Underlying racism as well, because one of her primary school teachers said to her that people like her were only destined to have babies. We began by asking her what
3: she'd say to those teachers now. Gosh, I wish I could meet a few. Well, especially that particular teacher. I wish I could meet him now and just say, please don't put things into people's heads because you never know where it grows and where it gets to and see what's happened to me even with your poor predictions. But anyway, that's the past. And this is now.
1: And this is your glorious present. Can we talk about the bit in between, which is your incredibly distinguished nursing career? Uh, I read that you had said that one of the things you absolutely loved about nursing was the camaraderie, just being amongst your peers all day, you know, being a nurse amongst nurses. And I wonder how you feel being a politician amongst politicians. Is there a camaraderie that you feel you've joined at Westminster?
3: Absolutely. It's, um, they call it the Westminster bubble, don't they? Um, you join and I know people think because we are Labour, Conservative, Liberal and um, Scottish Labour and what have you, different parties, that we don't talk. But that's couldn't be further from the truth you get support from all sides of the house you're all politicians and you're all on a journey and I came in on a by-election and as you know when you come in on a by-election it's absolutely your your world is lifted up around you and you really do get a lot of support from the other politicians to help you to settle in.
1: What do you think of some of the current problems, though, that may be beleaguering your party? Rosie Duffield has said that the Labour Party actually has a a woman problem. And certainly the barracking that she received recently from your own benches when she stood up to discuss same-sex spaces. I mean, it was hard to even hear her point of view. Would you agree
3: with her comments? Can I put it like this? Um, I'm a woman of a certain age and I think in the Labour Party, as in most things, you've got to be tolerant and we have got to, we're in a democratic country, we may agree or not agree, but we have to be able to discuss these things. So as a party, as individuals, as women, as men, that we can work through them. So for me, I'm new to this um, parliamentary-type bubble, but I believe there is um, there is space to hear other people's points of view and we've got to ensure that we are tolerant and we debate things in a, in a fair way.
1: Mm, do you think Rosie Duffield got a fair hearing?
3: <laughs> well, as I didn't actually hear that debate, I really don't want to say she had a fear... or not hearing. If people were shouting her down at the time and they weren't prepared to listen to her I can honestly say to you they were probably wrong because she did have a point of view, and it may not be a point of view that they held, but, you know, we have to listen and be tolerant of each other.
2: Paulette, you, you said you were a woman of a certain age. I mean, you're about the same age as me, so that certain age is about 58, so that we, don't need to be, we, don't, we don't need to be coy about it. But um, I'm just interested in whether you believe that the leadership of the Labour Party maybe is a little bit too interested in courting the young and fashionable uh, and rather less interested in the views of women of our age when it comes to single-sex spaces, for example?
3: I actually think that the party is listening to, to all views at the moment. I think we're not in power at the moment. I think as a party, we, we have got people with other views. We've got people with views that we may support. And I think at the moment, Kia is leading a party where he is. Listening to all sides of the argument. So I would disagree when you say that um, the party's just courting the very young, because if you look at the last few by-elections, it, ha- it has actually been slightly older women that have come in. I would always say and I would always stand on the side that we need more women. You know, nothing beats having women. Younger women have something to give. Middle aged women, older oh, yeah. women. No,
2: all, all of that is true. But I don't think Sakir Starmer has leapt to Rosie Duffield's defence in any sort of public way,
3: has he? to leave that there because i'm not sure because i'll have to be honest with you the argument in the house um people know where rosie stands on all of this and i think um the labor party has had a general view that we need to be tolerant and listen to what others are saying so i really don't want to draw it to sakia to say because he didn't leap to a defence. I think that would be a bit unfair.
1: Mm. Uh, Can we ask you about today's story, though, about Isla Bryson, which is frightening to many. Convicted as a man, Adam Graham, of two rapes. Uh, Since those crimes, he has begun a transitioning process and is now being held in a segregation unit at a woman's prison. How would you want that case to be dealt with?
3: right now that is a very interesting um scenario for me um this this gentleman this gentleman transitioning to a female we have to we're a democratic country we have to treat him fairly transitioning to a woman we have to respect the fact that he is transitioning to a woman and for myself. as an MP in a constituency where I have a number of people that have contacted me that are transitioning, I think all they want us to be is just fair towards them. So that's what I would say to you that we need just to be fair. And um, he has a fair hearing, and we. Um, well he's had we a. Um, the,
2: the person's had a fair hearing and been found guilty of two rapes.
3: So what are you trying to get me to say? I'm going to be honest with you because I'm not going to tell you we're going to kill him because he wants to be trans. No, no we're not a asking you yes. for that
1: No, I think I think what people what a lot of people listening to this will be struggling with is who who is the more vulnerable out of those two people or three people? So you have two victims of incredibly serious sexual assault and you have one perpetrator with a conviction. And I think a lot of people do feel uncomfortable knowing who is the more vulnerable, whose rights need to be respected the most. We're at the frontier of understanding all of this. And it is helpful to hear people who've been elected to power talk about it. That's, a, that's the only reason why we're asking.
3: Yeah, and, and I have to say, I would be more concerned about the women in this circumstance, if you're asking me outright. I would be more concerned the fact that he's transitioning to a woman, I would be concerned for the women. But, saying all of that, transitioning, he will get the support he needs to ensure that he transitions safely.
1: I wonder what your thoughts are on today's story that the International Council of Nurses has said that wealthy countries are basically taking advantage of lots of other countries, particularly Ghana, by uh, incentivizing their nurses to come and work in our healthcare system.
3: I'm not going to lie, I actually agree with that. I do believe that many of our our nurses, it- we have in we should have enough people in a country like the u k that we can train our own, and I do believe that at the moment we are traveling not necessarily the u k but first world countries are traveling around the world incentivizing other countries to lose their 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 talents in nursing and I do believe there needs to be some sort of um well, there needs to be a measurement of how many of these uh, of my fellow professionals are coming into the UK and into other countries. We need to start training our own. Mm.
1: How how can we train nurses better? How can we retain nurses better? I and mean, we probably should say as a given, we know that more money needs to be made available just in terms of salaries, but it's more than that,
3: isn't it? <sighs> The thing for me as a nurse, um, we knew I knew when I went into nursing, I was never going to be a millionaire. But you need a work life balance. You need um, some sort of a career pathway. You need to understand that as a a qualified nurse, um, you need to have other people on the ward, staff shortages are a major issue for nurses. The fact that at the moment you have nurses that are being beaten up on the ward because you've got people coming onto the wards with mental health issues and they're not being protected enough. Um, It's things like that, that it's making it difficult to retain people in the profession, as well as they're not earning enough. You know, as a profession, I truly believe that as a nurse, You're doing 12-hour shifts, some of these girls are doing. Some of them are even working longer because you go on duty. You haven't got enough staff on duty when you start. And many of them if you should finish at eight o'clock at night nine o'clock at night they're not coming off duty till eleven, twelve o'clock at night because they haven't got enough people to cover the shift and they they're not just working their shift but they're covering other shifts it's just too much and i think there needs to be a complete revamp in what nurse what do we really want our nurses to do and also when i started as a nurse back in the day I was generally trained and it meant I had a wide range of experience and I do feel that over the years many nurses have been channeled into different professions and they struggle to cross over the way we had to do as jobbing nurses Mm. and also I just feel the fact that there isn't the funding there when they're being trained not enough So many of them, you'll hear that they're taking on other jobs and and doing uh, other things while they're being trained. The youngsters are just not going to put up with what some of us older ones, what we used to do. They're not going to do it. So they look for other things and they leave.
1: Yep.
2: Can we just talk a little bit, Paulette, about Erdington? Um, Because it's a part of Birmingham. I know you grew up in Perry Bar, which is close, but um, it's close to Erdington, isn't it? If not actually Erdington itself. Um, I imagine that must feel a million miles away from Westminster. What are your constituents coming to you now and talking to you about? Is it the cost of living crisis? Is it housing issues that worry them?
3: Heating? Tell us. You've hit the nail on the head. It is a million miles, absolutely a million miles from Westminster. But they come to my surgery, it's predominantly you get lots of housing issues. We get immigration issues. The cost of living crisis has absolutely impacted constituencies like mine. Absolutely. And, you know, people talk about things such as people being taken off, um, taken off free running electricity and gas and been put onto meters we are seeing this in our surgery and the impact of this on our local community in my community i have so many people that just have no food the simple basics they just don't have and yet when you look at the community from outside you might think well it's not that poor but it is because the unemployment levels I. We've got a young family, we've got lots of young families, you know, young mothers, single parent mothers with three, four children, and they are struggling in my constituency. So I, and you know, the little luxuries that other constituents have, we just haven't got it. in in the Erdington constituency. So it's a poor constituency, but can I say, the community spirit is still here. And another major problem for us in Erdington, sorry, I'm getting a lot of things in at once, is around exempt accommodation. So supported living, so HMOs, supported living, exempt accommodation, we have had an absolute influx. So whereas in other areas, you'd have issues with families. Um, In some parts of my constituency, you've got five, six people living in one house and the issues that are caused from that, stealing food, the fact people don't understand what they're not getting the support that they're supposed to be paying for. We've got lots of mental health issues come in the area. It is just a difficult area to manage, but it is a loving area to be part of and I've lived there for 36 years now and so it can't be that bad because I wouldn't stay there if it (laughs) were.
1: What did did you hope to get, Paulette, from levelling up? Because I know that you had a bid-in to do with the high street uh, which didn't result in success. What difference would that have made and what difference does it make that you won't get the money
3: now? Can I um, just say in my area the biggest complaint i had during the election was about the high street people felt that the heart had gone out of the high street the heart and the soul and what i wanted to do as one of the first acts of as becoming the as you know in becoming the mp was about how do we address that and what that levelling up money would have done it would have um we've got this very Old building in the on the I Street that would have been renovated, so we would have got young talent coming in there to work. We would have had a community center in there, but what we would have also had was um, new infrastructure on the I Street. So they were looking at the roads, the lighting, um, ways into the I street that would make it a more attractive place to come to also part of the bid would have been how we could improve traveling from the local railway station to the I street which at the moment is not a very nice place to be and also the local church halfway down the ice street we had looked at how could we support them through the bid to help with the um the the, the graveyard and the walkways and what have you to just make it a, a nicer place to come in and out of because at the moment we've got lots of empty buildings and and shops and we've got seven seven betting shops right now and and the building itself, the area itself just looks run down. So, Paulette, so we just does, wanted, we've only got about a minute and a half yeah. left, though.
1: But does, does anybody tell you why your bid has not been successful?
3: You know what's angered me with this bid? When we lost it the first time, exactly what the government is saying now, we went to them. We got support, we got advice, we worked with the local council, we worked with the mayor to ensure that we strengthened the bid and we still didn't get it. To be perfectly honest, I don't know what they could tell us this time that we haven't already done because we went in for the first round and we didn't get it then.
1: That was the Labour MP Paulette Hamilton, who was our big guest this afternoon. And I thought she gave us a very good description, actually, of... What has happened to so many high streets around the country where the TV cameras don't really go? No. Uh, there isn't enough stuff going on for people to take an interest outside of the community. But when she said there were seven betting I shops... believe it. It is so depressing. ...on a very, very small high street, and that it was a high street that used to buzz. And you know exactly what she means. Where people would go, mm. it wouldn't just be, I've got to go to this shop and buy this thing. You'd be bumping into people. There'd be some kind of a hub around it. And that's what the levelling up money... Uh, was going to change and they didn't win their bid. It is very, very depressing. First of all, that any high street
2: can sustain seven betting shops Uh, suggests to me that some people who really can't afford to be going into betting shops are doing exactly that and some huge companies are making a lot of money out of them and it just seems completely wrong. And it's also, you know, so many of the the big football clubs are sponsored by betting firms. I find... Well, I just find that really, it's outrageous. And again, you've got some quite vulnerable young minds being exposed to all
1: this. It's just not, it shouldn't be on. Mm, I agree. I think also it's when the big sporting stars, and there's one manager, ex-manager in particular. Oh, yeah, God, don't get me started. when, When he says, why not take a break from betting from time to time? You just think... But you're the one who's been telling me to bet all the time. Well, that's in the other ads. I don't know whether that works. Yeah,
2: I don't know either. Um, No, it's a really depressing, really significant issue, which I think does go slightly under the radar. So that was Paulette Hamilton. Also, plenty of talk in that interview about uh, the big story of the day, certainly the controversial talking point, which is the rapist who in Scotland has now, they haven't actually been sentenced, but they have been found guilty of two rapes. And they are currently in a woman's prison in Scotland. And that was something that was addressed in that interview with uh, Paulette. But it's a massive talking point. Although, as I say that, if you landed on planet Earth from planet Common Sense, you would look at the facts of that case and just think, I don't think that person should be in a women's prison. Is my it, That would be my view. Had I landed
1: on this planet from somewhere else? Yeah. One of the huge problems, obviously, with talking about all of these trans issues is exactly what you're struggling with as a very eloquent person. Well, not that eloquent. No, no. But that's the problem, isn't it? It's It's, battling to be inoffensive whilst being true to my own feelings on the subject. Yes. And I know that uh, lots of you who are listening to our interview with Paulette as it was going out... Uh, were struggling with your own eloquence to uh, respond to her. And this is where it all gets in a great big muddle. You hear someone saying what they actually think and you do have to check in with yourself as to whether or not you want to respond in kind. And it all gets higher and higher and higher, the volume, and I think harder to understand. Yeah, it is a complex issue. And it's one that a lot of people wrestle with. And as you
2: pointed out during our conversation with uh, Peter Tatchell, who was on the programme later, this has been probably a very difficult day for any number of people who do feel genuinely, legitimately, that they are not in the right body, and that they would seek to change that body. And this is the worst of circumstances
1: for those people more to follow yeah i that this one is not over there will be much more uh here's an email from joe on a completely different topic that says uh dear finn jane your new show is brilliant that's very kind that's very kind it's not brilliant it's often quite good (laughs) it often goes out (laughs) (laughs) well we hope it always goes out (laughs) Uh, this afternoon, as I was struggling to stay on my chair, I was laughing so much while listening to the hilarious accounts of swimming, playing across, and Fee's broken finger. Don't laugh at my broken finger, Joe! I thought if Fee mentions her new kittens again, then I must get in touch. And she did. I'm bound to. So here I am. I just had this to say I had no idea that Fee knew my delightful South African in laws, but now realised that along the way, she must somehow have become acquainted with the lovely Brian and Barbara from Johannesburg and like them so much. She decided to name her pussy cats after them. I'm thrilled, and if he hasn't already, let them know. I will call them with the joyous news with very best wishes. So when we were deciding, me and the kids, uh, what to call the kittens? Yeah, where did the names come from? Well, I'd always wanted to call. If I'd had another daughter, uh, I'd wanted to call her Barbara. Don't say anything. <laughs> and well, no, there've been some greats: Windsor, <laughs> Streisand. <laughs> Uh, Not everybody has that reaction, Jane. Uh, And I've just always, always wanted to have an animal called Brian. So unfortunately, I did get my way with the names, but I just knew, and one of the kids did say, you'll meet a Brian and Barbara sometime in exactly the same way that when we were deciding years and years ago what the best way to refer to female body parts was. And I know, you know, as you are the former presenter of Woman's Hour, we shouldn't be shy of using proper... Biological, gynecological terms. There's a lot of front bottom-itis around. (laughs) Very much so. But we didn't want to use vagina. I don't know why. So anyway, we started to refer in our household to Wendy Bits and of course that completely and utterly fell apart. come again. (laughs) Wendy Bits. And that completely (laughs) (laughs) fell apart when a very lovely friend of ours Oh no. (laughs) came round to introduce his new girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) She was called Bits. Would you like to meet Wendy? Oh I mean, Wendy's lovely, absolutely lovely, but of course the kids just fell about laughing. So don't do it is what I'm saying. Just go for vagina. Stick with the gynaecological terms.
2: Well, that seems a positive way to end. Go for vagina. Have a very good evening. Uh, Thank you very much indeed for listening. I'm going to the theatre and I will bring you my full review on the podcast tomorrow. I actually, young Kate Lee, who's been in charge today, has massively added to the gaiety of my day by telling me that I said I was going to see Othello and I was you know, going with a friend and a teenage daughter and I was sort of doing it, not exactly as a favour, but yeah, as my cultural box tick of the week. Uh, and I wasn't really looking forward to it, but Kate's reassured me it's a kind of modern, theatrical, dancey, lots of movement version, and it isn't that long. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as you said earlier, is what Shakespeare would have wanted. <laughs> you can imagine so- <laughs> at the court of Queen Elizabeth, they're all gathering for Willie's latest production. And The maids of honour, the ladies in waiting, the jesters, all the courtiers in their finery. They've got one thought in their minds, haven't they, really? What time can I leave? Exactly. (laughs) But Shakespeare
1: never knew and he went on for hours. I cannot wait to hear your review of it tomorrow because I I wasn't really privy to the whole conversation. But so far I've gathered it's got dance, it's got disco and it's being staged on a pool table. I think it's billiards. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> but you're not theatrical like me, so you'll find out more tomorrow
2: <laughs> oh Jane good the luck is up good luck, good luck, good luck, good night. It's Jane and fee at Times Radio. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover.
1: Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times Radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this but live. Uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 to 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live
2: radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening, and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.